Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and before we get into the Washington Commanders preview of Week 2, the team travels up to Detroit to face the 0-1 Detroit Lions, headlined by head coach Dan Campbell, quarterback Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, Amon St. Brown, and number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson. As always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends up at Online, who continue to be the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the upcoming seasons of the NBA, NHL, eSports, golf, and, of course, all of your betting needs for college football and the NFL. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to prop bets and futures bets. So head on over to BetOnline or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, another week, another preview, deep dive into the 0-1 Detroit Lions. Obviously coming off a week one loss, 38-35, where they battled late and came back against the Philadelphia Eagles and gave them a little bit of a scare. And this is a Detroit Lions team that I've talked about with you guys for a while now. It's a team that doesn't need to be overlooked at all, just like Jacksonville was. And obviously, if Carson Wentz doesn't almost pull a rabbit out of his hat late in that game last week and and score two late touchdowns to Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, Washington possibly leaves week one 0-1. And Detroit is a team that competes every single week. Doesn't matter who they're facing. Could have been us here at the Commanders. Could be the Kansas City Chiefs. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, doesn't matter the name or the logo on the helmet. They're going to compete and bust their tail every single week for head coach Dan Campbell. Is anybody out there that you guys watched the HBO series, The Hard Knocks, you see how dedicated and passionate and hardworking and just a bunch of guys that bring their lunch pail to work every single day for that Detroit Lions team. And I'm extremely excited for this matchup for Washington because it could be a nice barometer where this team is from a really a culture standpoint and a competitive standpoint because Detroit, you're not going into Detroit fear that as a home field advantage. No one goes up to Ford Field looking at it as Arrowhead Stadium or what Seattle used to be out in the Pacific Northwest when Russell Wilson was there in the Legion of Boom and that type of home field advantage. Detroit does not have that just because of the limited success that they've had over the years. Similarly, with what Washington has had to deal with at FedEx Field. But this is a scenario where Washington could go in overlooking Detroit. Saw what happened to them last week. They led up almost 40 points to that Philadelphia offense led by Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. Now you look at this Washington O coming off of a game where Carson Wentz threw a front of 300 yards. Antonio Gibson was heavily involved in the game plan. We saw the impact of Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson on the outside. Tight ends and even Logan Thomas and Armani Rogers were involved. Am I going to sit here and expect that Washington is going to put up a, a potential 40-burger on the Lions like the Eagles did? Probably not. But this is a game very easily that Washington could overlook, go into Detroit, and be down in half. Be down at the end of the third quarter because the Lions have pop. And let's get into their roster, kind of like it was last week, going to go into each positional group on offense, 
on defense and comparatively to how I like it stacked up with Washington's skill groups, big boys in the trenches, guys on the outside, the quarterback's room with Goff compared to Wentz, and then diving into positions where I think that Washington can take advantage of the Detroit Lions and where the game will be ultimately won. So, of course, at quarterback, it's Jared Goff. You get up and downs with Jared Goff. Last week, it was the Jared Goff show in that second half as the Lions trailed. That's really what Jared Goff is. You're taking him at a game at 7-7 or 0-0. Jared Goff is a below-average quarterback in this league. He just is. We saw it with the Rams, and we're seeing it the same with the Lions. When he's chasing ball games and he's throwing 40, 45 times a game, and defense is running that soft cover four, kind of everything, forcing everything underneath into the intermediate areas of the offense, that's fine. Jared Goff's great in that aspect, and, his, and he likes to you know, stat pad when the Lions are down, which he obviously they, they have been in the years that he's been there. However, he is a former number one overall pick, and he was for a reason, and he has talent, and he has talent on the outside. Amon St. Brown, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds. Those are the three receivers that Washington will face when the Lions come on for their first offensive series. Looking at Amon St. Brown last year was a standout as a fourth round pick. He is someone that is underrated in this league, someone that receives a high target share in that Lions offense, and is someone that Washington will have to game plan for. I don't know if it, it, wherever he lines, it's going to be William Jackson or Kendall, Kendall Fuller, obviously on the outside. That's what we saw in week one, and, and Benjamin St. Juice is going to work over the slot where Amonra usually li- lines up. So this is going to be a nice test for Benjamin St. Juice. This is someone that we saw in week one have his ups and downs, similar with last year and the concussion issues that he had. Now he's healthy. And I want Benjamin St. Juice. This is going to be, you know, NFL teams like to put those those their better receivers now in the slot. We saw it with, with what Cooper Cup does in Los Angeles. We saw it a ton, obviously, in week one with the new regime in Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell. Familiar name with you guys out there, formerly a staff member here in Washington. Justin Jefferson working in the slot. Amandre St. Brown works out of the slot and on the outside. So it's going to be a nice test for these Washington corners. No, he's not a 6-1, 6-2X wide out. That's not him. But he's somebody that can create every single level of the defense. He's physical after the catch. And he'll present a nice test for Washington. Just stay away as much as possible from putting Kendall Fuller on Ramonra St. Brown because it could be a long day if that is the instance. TJ Chark, John Reynolds, two guys that don't scare me. Obviously, DJ spent his time in Jacksonville. Josh Reynolds spent time in Tennessee, spent time in Los Angeles. Someone that is an average, two average bodies on the outside. From a depth standpoint, Khalif, Khalif Raymond is a little bit of a name to watch. I like Khalif Raymond's skill set. Someone that could come in rotationally as that wide receiver forward and produce on the outside. And then Quintez Cephas is more of that Dax Milne role for Washington in their offense. Up front, I'll get into this in a second of where I believe Washington could win this game, similarly to last week at Jacksonville. Left tackle, left to right, Taylor Decker, left guard Jonah Jackson, center Frank Ragnow, right guard Logan Stenberg, and right tackle Penny Sewell, their first rounder last year in 2021. Now, looking at this Detroit line, they're anchored on the outsides by Decker and Penny Sewell, but really where they stand out is in, at the center spot in Frank Ragnow. And a lot of centers in this league do not get a ton of attention. They don't. Right? Really, the, obviously, the sexy skill positions, the receivers, the quarterbacks, the running backs, they receive all the attention. Frank Ragnow is one of the most underrated centers in football and one of the top five centers, in my opinion, in football. 
Someone that's excellent in the run. Excellent, excellent in the passing game. Very rarely allows pressures up the middle when he's facing those one and three techniques. And this is going to be just a battle of big boys between him, Deron Payne, and John Allen. Obviously, we know Federian Mathis is out. Washington made a couple signings this week. Donovan Jeter, and they added a player to the practice squad. So it will remain to be seen what their rotational depth is on the inside. I talked about it on Monday's podcast that came out recapping week one, who I believe could step in rotationally, whether it's James Smith-Williams or William Bradley King, as they have those bigger bodies. Could they play three-tech? We will see this week. Or is it just going to be Allen and Payne for 95% of the defensive snaps, which it very well could be. But where I think Washington could win, I think Montez Sweat, guys like Casey Tuhill on the outside, Shaka Tony are going to have their issues or their ups and downs with getting past guys like Taylor Decker and especially a right tackle and Penny Sewell. But within the interior, Jonah Jackson at left guard and especially Logan Stenberg, a fourth rounder in 2020 at right guard. This is where I expect Washington to eat. If they don't want to line at one tech, when I say one tech, it's between the center and the right guard, center and the left guard. That's where your one tech defensive tackle usually lines up. But slide out to three tech and line outside the left guard's left shoulder and outside the right shoulder of the right guard and allow Allen and Payne to create chaos, wreak havoc all day long around Jared Goff's feet, speed up his process on the outside, allow Cole Holcomb, Javon Davis to buzz out and make plays on guys like TJ Hawkinson at tight end, who we know is one of the most dynamic tight ends in the game. From an athletic standpoint, is he up there with the Kyle Pitts and the Darren Wallers, Mark Andrews? No, he's not. But he is a target hog within the 10 to 15 yard area of the offense. And he can run. And he is a top 10 tight end in this league. And you don't pay attention to him. He's going to put up a Zach Ertz-like day that he consistently put up against Washington in years past when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. So TJ Hawkinson and working against Jamie Davis and Cole Holcomb are just going to be a matchup to watch. But I am looking forward to Washington getting after those interior three. Frank Ragnow is their anchor. But force him, throw him some different looks. Blitz Jamin Davis, blitz Cole Holcomb, bring Derek Forrest down. We'll see what his workload looks like. We'll see kind of the timetable for Cam Curl. They cut Farad Gardner off of the practice squad this week. That may be a good sign that Cam Curl could be healthy for this week. Just taking obviously another safety off of the practice squad to fill for a defensive tackle that they signed this week. However, get after Jared Goff continue to be aggressive within the front seven. And I know Washington doesn't blitz a ton. Talked about it a lot on this podcast. I still have my concerns on third down when they get into those long down and distances. And they're going to force Jared Goff to pass and sit back there for two and a half, three and a half seconds and try to dissect downfield. Get after him. Get after the quarterback a little bit. Force his processing to speed up on the outside. Because when we go into week three... And they got Jalen Hurts, and he's able to escape out of the pocket. You got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Zach Goddard, excuse me, Dallas Goddard, Zach Pascal. Able to blitz seven, six, even if you want to. Because of that dynamic ability from Jalen Hurts to escape out of the pocket. Jared Goff doesn't have that. He's more of a statue. He moves more like an office chair on carpet, if you will, in comparative to Jalen Hurts. So get after the quarterback. I would like to see Jamie Davis blitz a little bit more. Throw some unique looks with Cole Holcomb. 
want to blitz Bobby McCain, throw some rat blitzes on the on the outside with Kendall Fuller or Benjamin St. Juice. Throw some unique looks at this offense. Because if Washington allows 35 points like Philadelphia did to Detroit, I don't know if they win this football game. Because Detroit, now their defense is not going to be a top 20, even a potential top 25 unit in football this year. But I don't want Carson Wentz and the offense to have to score 30-plus points a game to win. We are not the Chargers. We are not the Chiefs. Where we have a wonder boy, all-world quarterback under center each and every week where even if Washington would allow 35 points, you still have a chance in the football game. Washington allows 35 points a game this year. Not going to win many football games. But they did what they did a lot in the years prior where it's a bend but don't break. Detroit won to drive down the field. They have DeAndre Swift in the backfield who's one of the more dynamic young running backs in the league. Ran for over 100 plus last week on that Philadelphia front seven. Possibly may do the same thing again this week. Compare Philly's front seven to Washington's front seven. Two units that have a ton of pop, but DeAndre Swift got his last week, and that's behind their front five, who is a decent front five. Washington's going to have to prepare for a bunch of different facets, whether it is for Amonra on the outside. DeAndre Swift running it 20, 25 times on Sunday. They have weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but I want to switch over. And look at this Detroit Lions defense, because it is a unit headlined by number two overall pick from this past April in Hayden Hutchinson, who was rather disinvolved against the Philadelphia Eagles. If you look at the box score, he was invisible. If you just look at the box score, but you turn on the tape and he was someone that Eagles used, double teamed him a little bit. They would chip him with the running back when he buzzed out to the flat, where there was Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, or Miles Sanders. When he was working over their right tackle or over their left side with Jordan Mailata. With you know, when you look at the Eagles and they got Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata as their tackles. That's gonna be that's a tough test for Aiden Hutchinson in week one. But now working to week two against Washington, you got a veteran in Charles Leno at left tackle, and you got a second year player in Sam Cosme, who even had his ups and downs last week against Trayvon Walker gave him some fits. Similarly to last year in week one when Joey Bosa gave him fits. Now, that's a guy in Joey Bosa that's obviously established in this league, and that was a great kind of barometer for Sam as far as what he needs to get to last year in week one. And, and, and you guys have heard me say it okay, time and time again that if Sam Cosme is able to stay healthy, he can become one of the top 10 tackles in all of football, and I fully agree with that. This week is another test for him. Aiden Hutchinson has a ton of skill on the outside. We saw what he did at Michigan. He's got a counter for your counters as offensive lineman. He can work to the inside. Hop out to the outside. He can bull rush you three, four yards back in the line of scrimmage. And then he's someone that's excellent in the run game. Where you ask him to stack and shed offensive tackles, he can do that as well. Now, you're not going to put Logan Thomas or John Bates to block him. You may even have times John Bates aligned to the right shoulder of Sam Cosme just to give him some extra help if Sam's having trouble with number 97 because we know the potential that Aiden Hutchinson has. He's a dynamic edge threat. And there's a reason, obviously, that he was taken number two overall this past year. Michigan kid, obviously played at the University of Michigan. This is a guy that is going to look to bounce back from his week one performance, and he's a name to watch on the edge there. But overall, with this defense, it doesn't scare me at all, right? They have names. Malcolm Rodriguez is a name I want you guys to become familiar with. Took him in sixth round out of Oklahoma State. He's their will linebacker. He'll line next to Alex Anzalone, an undrafted, excuse me, a UFA from the New Orleans Saints that they brought over. And Malcolm Rodriguez is just a throwback style of linebacker. He's very physical. He's not as athletic as a Cole Holcomb or Jamin Davis, not even close. But he's someone that is like a John Bostic 
but has more juice in his lower half as far as his ability to run sideline to sideline. And he's just uber physical, ability to throw linemen out of the way and wrangle down ball carriers near the line of scrimmage or out near the numbers. He's excellent. And someone that I was extremely high on in this draft class, someone that I thought that Washington could target for depth in their linebackers room, Malcolm Rodriguez so far, he was dynamic in the preseason. He was dynamic in camp for Detroit. And now he's someone in the regular season that's going to be a core athlete for them at the second level and a name for you guys to watch as someone that is going to be asked to cover guys like Logan Thomas, John Bates. We'll see what Cole Turner, if he's healthy this week, covering guys like Armani Rodgers. We saw Armani have a 23-yard reception in week one against the Jaguars in that first quarter. I put a tweet out. He actually reached 19.9 miles an hour, the GPS tracking data that they had. It's one of the fastest ball carriers that was tracked in the NFL. He was up there with Stephon Diggs, Anthony Schwartz, who's a world-class sprinter for the Cleveland Browns. Armani Rodgers is a 6'6 tight end over 235 pounds. He can go. He can flat out run. And for Malcolm Rodriguez, that's going to be another test for him. Similar last week with Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma for Jacksonville. This is going to be a test for him at that second level. How his processing is not just in diagnosing the run. But flipping his hips and working over the middle of the field and covering guys like Logan Thomas and John Bates and Armani Rogers this week because I still am on the fence as far as what the initial timetable looks like moving forward into week two with the fifth rounder in Cole Turner. On the outside, Jeff Okuda has everything to prove. Former top five pick in 2020, has dealt with a ton of injuries in his first few seasons in the NFL. You guys are familiar with him. He's a, he was a stud out of Ohio State looked upon as a black hole corner. And what I mean by that is someone that will just take away one third of the defense. Someone that can cover anybody of any skill set, run with anybody, dynamic at the catch point. Someone that personally for me, I was low on coming in to his draft year in 2020, but I know everything takes time. I'm the biggest proponent of player development. And this year, do I expect him, and and right now, bringing in the lens to week two, do I expect him to be able to cover Terry McLaurin? Absolutely not. I don't think think he'll be able to hold his lunch, to be completely honest with you. Jahan Dotson, I think he could stay with Jahan, and Curtis Samuel is going to be all over the place. We never know where Curtis is going to align. He may align at right tackle. Who the hell knows? Curtis Samuel runs. He works everywhere. Ends up at orbit motion. That touchdown he had, he showed that fake orbit motion coming towards the backfield, only to buzz back out on that flat route, the touchdown by the pylon. That's unique things that Scott Turner likes to do with Curtis Samuel. I'm extremely excited for his week two. But Jeff Okuda is going to have his <laughs> he's going to have his, uh, his hands full with number 17, number one, and number 10 in Curtis Samuel. Opposite of him is Amani Oruwarie. He's a corner that they took out of Penn State just a few years ago. But again, it's, it's no one that moves the needle for me. We talked about it last week with Jacksonville's corners and Shaquille Griffin and Tyson Campbell. This is an average group for the Lions at best. It's average. But Washington doesn't have average receivers. They have a potential top five unit, to be honest with you, in football. They got guys that can ball on the outside. And we saw it last week. Carson Wentz doesn't throw for four touchdowns if McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel can't separate on the outside. Doesn't throw for 300-plus yards. Now, I get it. They was chasing the game a little bit in that second half. But obviously, Scott Turner wants him to throw. And Washington has some dudes on the outside. I think you'd ask anybody in the industry, away from me, Terry McLaurin's a dude. 
Jahan Dotson's a favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year right now at any betting sports book that you look at. He had a great week one. Three catches, okay. It's not going to blow anybody out of the water. Two touchdowns on three catches, pretty damn good day for me. And he's only going to improve. And you can narrow his skill set down without the ball. His ability to separate on the outside. His dynamic ability in the air. Jahan could be a dude as well. And then Curtis Samuel is that X factor, that chess piece, that dynamic weapon, no matter where he aligns, taking direct snaps in the backfield. He's in the slot. He's on the outside. He can line up anywhere. I'm really excited for Washington's trio of weapons. I'm not going to overreact from week one. I'm not going to say that they have the, the receiving core of a Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not right now. I'm just not. But for right now, and working into week two, there's no reason to sit here and not believe that those guys, that trio I just mentioned, can't go off again in week two. And we sit here next week as I prepare and preview you guys, the Philadelphia Eagles, that I'm not talking about Carson Wentz's 300-plus yard, three-touchdown, four-touchdown game again. I'm excited for this unit coming into week two and really moving forward just off the appetizer that we had in week one. And as much as I talk about where I'd like to see John Allen and Deron Payne win over the guards this week in Detroit, the receivers against these corners is where the game is going to be won and lost for me with Carson Wentz in week two. Throwing inside of a dome, on turf, and there's going to be no weather restrictions, no wind, no, nothing. All right, it's just a dome and we're playing ball. That's it. And I'm looking forward to Washington's offense taking that next step working into week two. Because right now, I don't know if you guys saw this, Detroit, for the first time since 2020, they are favored in a football game. And it's this week. The spread is minus two in favor of the Detroit Lions. So they're favored by two points this week against Washington. Good. When has Washington not been written off? When have we not when do we go in a game and see Washington favor? They were favored in week one. But in a game that, you know, Detroit is better than Jacksonville. And a game that Washington actually, against a competitive opponent, and Washington was favored. That's rare here. We don't see that. Screw Vegas. Screw the lines. They got to play ball. Do whatever you want on paper. But once you strap up and you're nose to nose with another man, it's different, right? Let them play ball and see what we got. It's week two. I'm extremely excited for this Washington Team, I think I will make a prediction of the game. I will go 31 20. I'll go 31 20 as, a game, as to my prediction. I think Washington will win. I think the defense is going to play even a little better than I thought last week. I, I'm going to take, take Trevor Lawrence over Jared Goff any day of the week at the quarterback position. I think they're going to lean on DeAndre Swift, get him going early to open up the play action pass. Jared Goff is best off of play action, hitting TJ Hawkinson over the middle field taking his shot plays to guys like Amonra St. Brown that I mentioned earlier. But I like Washington in this game on both sides of the ball. I really do. So I'm going to go 31-20. Washington heads into week three at 2-0 in their first divisional matchup against the Eagles, which again, we will preview moving into next week. So that's going to do it for this episode, a full preview. Washington's week two matchup at Ford Field against Dan Campbell and the 0-1 Detroit Lions. As always, thank you guys for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter and underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week, your Friday, Saturday. Got a ton of college football, a lot of draft guys to watch on Saturday and then Sunday.
Commanders, Lions, week two in Detroit. Enjoy the football game. I'll have a recap out for you of the game on Monday morning. I will talk to you guys then. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.